Today I welcome Louise Simpson, head of Exeter School in the UK. In this episode, I discuss character education, mindfulness, the importance of teaching sustainability, and why heads and principals should be on social media. Welcome, Louise, to the Inspiring Schools podcast. Um, today, we're going to cover lots of great topics. Um, you've traveled the world, you've been ahead in multiple continents, and the idea of these podcasts and these, these head-to-heads is to kind of share some inspiring ideas, talk about leadership problems. Obviously, you've joined a school at a time of, of incredible global um, chaos, um, and it really is going to test the metal of leadership in any capacity, in any organization. And hopefully today you can share some of the kind of the, the things that you've got to deal with and how you've dealt with those things. So welcome to, to the podcast. Um, you've been on quite a journey the last 10 years or so, South London to Sao Paulo. Now you're back in the UK. Was headship in a far-flung land always on the cards for you or were you just hooked by the opportunity to travel to Brazil? Uh, well, hello, Simon. Thank you for um, thank you for welcoming me. Um, yeah, I have been on a long journey, and I've I've accrued lots of air miles, uh, which I'm not sure that I'm very uh, proud of actually, because um, it kind of goes against my sustainability principles. Um, I, I think I always I, I was always interested in some international headship uh, uh, because I worked. Uh, I was very lucky to work at Brighton College um, when Brighton College was developing its overseas um, schools. Um, and I became quite fascinated with the idea of uh, working overseas. And and, uh, and I guess I kind of thought that it might happen with Brighton College. And then and then I got my first headship in the UK and, and that, that sort of didn't come to fruition. Um, and then for a number of reasons, partly, um, partly related to my family circumstances and, and partly related to the fact that this incredible job came up. Um, San Paolo seemed to be um, a good place to go for and, and I was extreme as soon as I, I, I got there and I, I found myself being offered the job and, uh, and then I realized it was going to happen and, uh, and I'd never worked overseas before and uh, I couldn't speak Portuguese and it was a very long way away uh, but never mind in for a penny in for a pound as they say and um, never looked back. Yeah, and so and so, do you, do you like looking for challenges? You know, do you, do you like kind of avoiding the status quo, looking for for, for things that are going to really test you and, and test those around you? I would say so. And actually, if you ask my mother, she would say absolutely. Always go for the thing that's going to wind them up the most uh, and is the least like the kind of life that she had led. Uh, so uh, and ask those people who I've. Um, worked with on leadership groups will, who will say I always appoint the person that's the most quirky um, and uh, <laughs> and then I look at them and say well <laughs> <laughs> what about you so yes I do I like to try new things and I like to challenge myself and uh, and I'm very very lucky I've worked with some inspiring people uh, and some um, extremely um, uh, supportive people who have allowed me to to be uh, able to follow those those slightly bizarre ideas sometimes and, and have indulged me with that and that's been fantastic and yeah. continues to be yeah absolutely um, and how do you feel your experiences have changed your outlook on education and leadership um, during the last 10 years and you know has that um, exaggerated or, or or kind of been a big catalyst to changing your leadership style particularly the last 12 months since we've been under lockdown 
Goodness me. Um, well, I, I mean, in the in the UK, I worked with GDST, which I think is a, a phenomenal, phenomenal organisation. And I learned an enormous amount. Um, I, I arrived there at a time when that was undergoing massive change. Um, Helen Fraser was appointed as as the CEO there and she joined just a couple of weeks after I did. Uh, and um, and I could see that she was revolutionising the organisation and, and really turning it into something that I, I think quite different from, from what it was before. And then working on the international circuit, you encounter, as you know, because you've, you've worked with lots of international heads, some of the most innovative, the bravest, the most courageous heads working in extremely challenging situations sometimes for all sorts of reasons, political or economic or... I know quite well the, the head of the British or the former head of the British school in Caracas, for example, and you know the journey that he has gone uh, on in the last five or six years has been absolutely uh, incredible. So you learn and you're surrounded by people who who have taken the the less worn route and have chosen to do things slightly differently. And I think you you learn from those people and you learn what works and you learn what doesn't work and you see what you think you might do in yourself and 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 not. Um, and certainly, I've pretty quickly realised, having gone overseas, that international headship um, is often very, very innovative, a long way ahead um, in some ways uh, than, than what we do back here in the UK. Uh, it, it's often a lot freer, um, which I think is, a, is really fantastic. And, and I, I think it teaches you quite quickly to be extremely flexible. Uh, and I would say that my ability to, I mean, I, I've worked in seven schools and all of them have been very different and all independent, but all very different. And I think that flexibility that I've learned from working with such diverse people in such diverse situations um, has really helped me to, to see that there's always a way through and it might not always be the same in every situation. And so coming back to, to school in COVID times and, and all of that, you know, flexibility and, and the ability to make decisions and just act on instinct on the day has been more important, I think, than than most other things. And surrounding yourself by brilliant planners has been really helpful, too. Yeah. And what, what are the I mean, you, you mentioned innovation and international schools. Absolutely. And uh, drive innovation um, more so um, than, than, than they do here in the UK. Um, I, I'd put some of that down to the type of people the teachers you recruit because the people that want to travel um, mm. particularly in British schools abroad are you know they're, they're kind of ambitious you've got to have something about you to to, to want to leave um, and want to go off and try new things and experience new cultures um, but you know do, do you think there is that the UK is still behind and what should the UK really be doing from an independent education sector to bring itself maybe on par with what the international schools are doing I think the I don't think that the, that the UK sector is behind. I think there's some incredible excellence um, in the UK sector, but I think um, uh, I think that there are there's a concern of a, a slightly conservative approach at times in some schools and some organisations. Um, one of the wonderful things about um, about uh, international education is that you tend to have very very well, certainly I did in my school, very, we had very deep pockets and we had young governors who were working people uh, and who were very happy to go with massive investment, huge innovation. Um, 
whereas I think that the type of governance that we see in UK independent schools tends to be a bit more conservative. Uh, it tends to be people who perhaps are not no longer working, so they don't see the commercial um, application of maybe some of the, the innovations and ideas um, and, and who uh, maybe don't have the depth of, of pockets or don't want to take the risks with investment in the same way as might, you know, some of the big organizations that own schools internationally and also some of the big trust schools. I worked in a foundation school uh, in Brazil, um, but there are also some enormous um, commercial organizations that are, um, that are investing in schools and for them, you know, it's a bit of an arms race in terms of facilities, which is not a good thing, but it does sometimes lead to great innovation. So I think there are pros and cons for both. And, and I think we're just looking at digital in my new school uh, and doing sort of deep dives on where we want to go with digital. And we've had a very progressive approach here, um, and not a, a, an evolutionary one rather than a revolutionary one. And, and in Brazil, we had a very revolutionary one, which maybe led to quite a few problems that we wouldn't have had if we'd taken it a little bit more slowly. So there's there's somewhere in between, I think, you know, we, yeah. we want to be at, at the edge in terms of providing the best facilities for our pupils. But we also want to make sure it's tried and tested and we're not throwing good money at bad ideas. Yeah, um, and it's absolutely true. And I think what, what COVID's done and lockdown and, and forcing schools to react. And this to me has been the perfect storm for, for kind of future school thinking, for education, for changing the way we do it. And, you know, what, what it's done is it's, it's shone a big spotlight on, on schools um, digital education provision you know how they really understand and deliver e-learning as they called it or a virtual learning environment that in you know i'm very vocal about that a lot of the time is you know the biggest waste of money because they become digital dumping grounds because of the training element of it um how has exeter adapted to the online learning side and were your parents um happy with what you ended up delivering they, they, the parents actually in Exeter have been phenomenally, um, phenomenally supportive, uh, which has been wonderful. They've been <laughs> very, very kind to me coming into the middle of all of this. Um, and, and, and quite rightly, very, very proud of the legacy that Bob Griffin has left here. You know, remarkable man, a fantastic head. And, and you can see him everywhere in the school. He's very present in what we do uh, in a really, really positive way. So um, I'm lucky I've inherited a school that's, that's very proud of, of everything they've done, but also looking for change. So that's really positive. Um, and we're so lucky also that we haven't actually had anyone being um, sent home in large numbers this term. So we've been in school every day. Uh, we get to the end of every week and thank, thank heavens that we've got there. Um, and so we've been streaming classes for those children who are self-isolating. Um, but apart from that, at the moment, we are in school. We're doing digital learning. We've rolled out iPads and things quicker than we had imagined we would. Um, but we're not forced into remote learning. The remote learning worked really well and I was following what they were doing and I was I was working with them to understand how things were progressing. Um, but I think if we were to go into um, lockdown for whole year groups, it would look a bit different. There would be more streamed um, lessons, for example, as opposed to uh, so more live lessons as opposed to the diet that we had back in um, yeah. uh, last term. Yeah, um, and yeah, so it's so, so less the, of the kind of the, the self-service model. You need to kind of still deliver education. And the biggest learning exactly. curve, 
for that and the, the hardest part I think schools found was the, was the teacher element. You know, the teachers are essential, they're the core piece. Um, and they're stretched at the best of times and at the worst of times, like we've had, stretched even further beyond, you know, necessarily the, the technical capabilities that they have. Um, what, what, what kind of characteristics have you seen come out of your teaching body during these tough times? I think, well, reflecting also on the teaching body in Brazil, uh, as well as um, here in Exeter, I would say um, we've we've seen collaboration in a way that perhaps we didn't have before. Um, people have realised where their strengths are and where their challenges are. And um, in Brazil, we had a, a very, we had already got a very good digital um, uh, training program going so we had lots of staff training each other so people who tried things out in the classroom and it worked really well and uh, so that that was already very well established and that happens here um, in um, uh, in extra as well we have a, um, a technology for learning forum uh, and that um, creates a basis to support teachers who perhaps are feeling a bit less comfortable with um, uh, various elements um, and um, and I think an understanding that still you know there are different ways of doing things and and in brazil we had a, a, a little bit of a one-size-fits-all we we went for a um a, a whole school approach in terms of which platform to use and and how to how to um uh, communicate with pupils um, and in exeter we haven't been so prescriptive as that partly because they haven't got that far in the journey uh, and so we're now at the decision-making phase of deciding which way to go with that, which is quite interesting. It's, it's a lot more, a lot less prescriptive here um, than we were um, in Brazil. And I'm trying to decide which is better. You know, is it better to, to say we're all doing it in one way, or is it better to to let teachers have the creativity yeah. and the flexibility to do things their own way? I, I'm a great believer that, that teaching is one of the most creative professions on earth. So to take away that creativity um is uh, would be a, a horrendous thing i think but to, to create structure and frameworks i think could be really useful to support people especially those who are perhaps a bit less um, confident i hope you're enjoying the inspiring schools podcast we're always on the hunt for guests with vision and a desire to share them if you'd like to be involved or know of someone with great ideas at a school near you please drop me an email to podcast at interactiveschools.com and my team will be in touch. I talk a lot around the future school. It's something I'm, I'm passionate about in terms of making sure that the provision for my children, my grandchildren is there. Um, education is always slow to adapt and adopt new technologies and they, they probably invest in the wrong things at the wrong, wrong time. You know, like buying technology too quickly rather than considering yeah. the people side and actually what, people, what everyone wants. And I think I was, just, I was looking at a survey um, actually, just just that came in today from a from from a future careers um, think tank, um, and it, only fifteen percent of employers um, in England think that a degree is worth its value. Wow. Yeah, and so no, so it's going. They say actually, we, we don't we don't really look for a, a degree qualification, um, and so it kind of throws up this 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 big conversation about you know what's the what's the purpose of school you know because we're, we're still on this conveyor belt to get them into university and employers are saying not that interested actually go and rack up a load of debt come out and you may actually we're not that interested in it all how do we, how do we change what we're doing within education to ensure that 
these young men and women that are in your um, in, in your kind of school actually come out and they have more than just a degree? Goodness me. Well, we had a very interesting debate uh, this afternoon in my leadership team about uh, the importance of learning for learning's sake. So the ability to read, to take in um, opposing views, to analyse, to critically evaluate and, and whether those are because those are skills that can be developed through technology, but uh, but actually often technology misses because children flit from one thing to another and they don't deep dive. They they skim across the surface of lots of different things. And so we had a really interesting discussion about about, you know, content and about learning things for learning's sake. So tables and spelling and, and that kind of thing, I suppose you would put into that uh, criteria. Um, and uh, and I suppose you know a degree at its very best um, is is the complete indulgence in something that you're passionate about, isn't it? It's about going and uh, especially if you did a degree which is is not a vocational one, but which is one you know in in a, in a, a, a pure subject, shall we say? You know, yeah. why did you why did you study chemistry? Because I love doing experiments. Why did you study geology? Because I love rocks. You know, someone who just has an absolute passion. And I suppose, I mean, when I went to university, the people who went to university were people who had a passion for a subject and wanted to continue learning it. And, and a few people were perhaps on the way to a particular career, but most of us hadn't really thought about that. Um, and, um, and maybe that's the right way to go. I, I, I'd hate to think that pupils, and it worries me that some young people aren't passionate about things, that they don't have a passion, they, 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 they don't, they don't embed themselves in something they don't show commitment and stickability um, so I think the opportunity to spend three years learning for learning's sake um, and at the same time living away from home and becoming independent exactly and, growing up which is to me one of the the, the biggest takeaways yeah. from university but 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 it's a, at a huge kind of cost um, you know to, to go and do that and you talked about um, more the pure subjects and absolutely you know to, to love doing something and to want to learn more about it you, you'll never stop doing it and actually we're we're so lucky because of the abundance of, of content and technology that, that we have a lot of it at our fingertips to self-serve and get access to that we never had before yeah um, true. I, I suppose it really it's coming down to kind of skills and you sort of touched on skills you know we talk about resilience talked about critical thinking absolutely you know and and also whether or not they're creative so again yeah. can you look at things differently and not just in these silos that that are there um because i know that that's what the world the world um, economic forum we're looking for in 2020 and i think it's critical thinking creativity and problem solving were the three skills that actually employers said in 2015 that they wanted by the time it's 2020 so we've got to i think blend the, the pure love of learning with, with with this with this resilience and this ability to have these skills to go out into the workplace to actually make a difference because that's what the complex digital world and this 24 7 365 world demands of our of our children um so it's it's going to be interesting to see what what schools and particularly schools like yours obviously adapt to make sure that we are fulfilling that that that, that legacy or that dream yeah. that it's not just a conveyor belt into into university because that's what what we've been told driven by curriculum. Um, Absolutely, and I think schools like mine, um, uh, and I, I when I say mine, I mean all the schools I've worked in, um, 
uh, uh, are starting to really think about um, about character and about you know values and and you know morals and 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 those those key elements as well that are at the heart of, of what makes a great school and a great education um, so that we're not simply putting someone on the treadmill so they can go and earn more money uh, when they leave university but actually that that they're going to want to really make a, a difference in the world and be able to to leave an indelible mark in terms of their their um, their development as a person their their ability to give something back uh, and um, and I think that you know with 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 an ever more self-indulgence probably not the right word but but you know with social media creating a world where we're likes and how beautiful do we look and what's our instagram account looking like and etc and this shallowness that i talked about where where pupils you know where young people don't always seem to have a, a purpose they don't seem to have something that they are, are absolutely passionate about they just do a bit of this bit of that bit of shopping whatever um, and so to be able to create or to help young people to find their purpose, their, their passion in life, and whatever that is, um, and, and whether it's climbing mountains or, or reciting Shakespeare or, or you know, translating classical Greek, what is it that really, um, really keeps them focused on, 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 on moving forward? And, and I think so, so to, to me, looking at those personal qualities at the center of our curriculum is really really important as well and um and i think we should we all we mustn't lose sight of that in amongst the digital world that's perhaps more yeah. important than ever was yeah and, and one and one of your 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 your, your um your, your head previously you know um surrounding selden that, that i know very well personally too you know always drove character and character is, is is massively important um but it's just not invested heavily enough across education and and across you know parents don't really have that character education um mm. themselves and there has to be a relationship and a partnership between schools between parents and between obviously the teaching staff and the pupils because you know we we, we, we can't just allow one put one group um to kind of drive it because you know the the mental health of, of our of our children is in jeopardy um, because it's 24 7 365 the the kind of you talked about this this vanity layer of of self-acceptance in their peer groups is becoming harder to navigate parents are completely disconnected because they don't understand it and haven't got the time to do it um, and likewise and then we've got education driving on in a, in a normal in a normal way almost so we've got all these different things that are to me are quite conflicting um, and it's a difficult thing it's a really difficult thing i've got four children myself i've got my my, my, my third is about to become a teenager um do you do any kind of mental health awareness um are you sort of supporting both teachers and and pupils at this time because absolutely absolutely um we uh, we have lots of mindfulness activity in our school for example we have well-being ambassadors uh, um, and um, and actually, um, I, I'm I'm doing a master's at the moment in character education. So I'm I'm a bit of a, an advocate for character education, um, and um, and we've been do I've been doing an intervention over the last couple of weeks with our year eights um, to to look at how we can 
uh, make them feel a bit more mindful and a bit more reflective uh, in their and a bit more compassionate and and um, show more gratitude in their in their daily lives. So uh, and I, and I think it's been interesting actually how well parents have received that. Uh, and if you look at the research around character education, engaging parents um, is a really really crucial thing to making that character education. Uh, work and, and and helping those pupils to to develop their those virtues and that uh, those morals and character. So so that's an area that I'm really um, interested in. From a that's my passion at the moment, yeah. my personal passion to uh, to learn more about it. And um, and yeah, I mean, there's the school. We we've got an enormously broad range of um, activities for pupils here. Even under COVID times, we're still able to. We've got a concert going on at the moment, actually, which sadly I can't be at, but I'll watch the the recorded version later. Um, and we've got um, we've got lots of clubs going on. We had a, an exhibition of art last week. Um, we we you know we've got lots of things going on in our school um, to to give the children um, things to be passionate about, which, as I say, I really believe um, contributes to their well-being. We're really lucky. Also, we have an amazing chaplain uh, who's um, who's phenomenal with the children, and uh, and that that I think having that sort of centeredness around the chaplain school, um, even though we're not a religious school. Um, is a really uh, a really fantastic resource too. Yeah, and you you have to look after. I'm the same with all my staff, and it's it's it's, it's been enormously difficult because, you know, I, I um, employ a lot of a lot of young um, young men and women who are in their in their twenties who are you know this is this is their game, and actually part of it is the lifestyle. You want to be in the office. You want the the relationships, the, the human yeah. side of things, and it's very difficult um, for them to go back and everything's done remotely. Um, so you have to come up with inventive ideas to to boost morale, um, to keep that enjoyment going. And you know, we, we've been having to find that exactly the same, um, same as you. Um, you, you, I love all the character education. Um, I, th I think it's, it's it's a massive part that's missing from broader education that we should be doing for our kids because that, that that's kind of what they need to succeed. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not the results. It never has been about the results. For me and my wife, it's always been, we want our kids to be happy and confident to, to simple ingredients. Yes, we want manners and those kind of things, but there's a, there's a deeper piece. If they can come out, actually it doesn't matter what they've got because they can stand on their two feet and navigate life, which is mm -hmm. kind of our job is to get them to that point. Um, you obviously taken over, as you mentioned, um, a, a headship where a head who's been there for a long time, a couple of decades. So there's there's a lot of kind of status quo probably and 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 history there and tradition that's embedded. Coming in new with all these new ideas, how how do you take that on? Well. I think given that we've come into the COVID um, situation or I've come into the COVID situation in lots of ways that's kind of helped because I've had to take my foot off the gas just a wee bit uh, uh, and, uh, and I've had to not kind of bamboozle everybody with all these you know slightly wacky ideas many of which won't come to anything um, because we've just got to get through life and life is challenging for people at the moment so it's been it's been really good for me actually to it's forced me to sit and think a bit more than I might have done had we been in normal times uh, and to listen a lot to my colleagues around me. I'm very lucky I've got a brilliant team here um, and some of them have been here for a very long time. So they're, they're really an amazing resource. You know, how, how important is social media within a school's marketing strategy? 
Well, I love Twitter and I've been tweeting uh, for, well, actually only for about six years. Um, I started tweeting when I left Bromley High, actually, uh, and when I went to Brazil. Um, but I am a bit addicted to it. And uh, and I do, I try and tweet every day at least once and, you know, um, about kind of stuff that isn't very important sometimes. But um, but I do like to be out there and, I, and I'm, I'm really... Um, I'm, I'm following lots of really fantastic people and I, I can get lots of really interesting um, knowledge and understanding from what people are saying, which I, I think is uh, really important. Um, in terms of marketing, uh, this school is not a school that said much about itself publicly in the past. Uh, and that's one change which uh, actually Bob started. We appointed together, our first appointment together back in January last year before I joined was our marketing uh, and admissions director. Um, and uh, we had a communications officer, but we didn't have a marketing strategy as such. And so now we are starting to think a bit more about engagement. I, I wouldn't call it marketing. I'd call it engaging with our, our public. Um, and, um, and our community, both within and outside the school um, gates, um, and, um, and keeping our, our finger on the pulse of what's happening in education. And I think this, this year, particularly without actually being able to go to conferences and be in the same room as somebody, um, the, uh, the digital footprint is probably, probably more important than it might have been um, you know, a year ago. We wouldn't have thought that much about it. You know, and it's the voice. And, what, what, and what's great with social media and what's great with 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 a school being involved in it is as it tells your story like like no one mm -hmm. else can tell your story no no school on the planet can tell your story it's 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 something that you own and you have to tell because they are the hidden things behind the marketing veneer behind what everyone puts on the, every school puts on the, the same thing on the same websites it feels language wise the only thing to stand at is the stories and you have to empower your, your, your staff to tell those stories. But what's great is that you're leading by example because your heads yeah. have to be, you know, that, that is where everybody is. You know, that's where your prospective families are, where your current families are, it's where your kids are, it's where your alumnus are. All of these things, that's where they're at. Um, so if you're not playing in the right playground, you can't possibly understand and be able to get your message out there. Um, so it's great seeing that you've just started blogging. Um, I, yeah, I used to blog in Brazil actually, but I've I've just started to blog here as well. Yeah, yeah. I, just I, I, meanderings of my mind, I think, would be a good word, <laughs> good title for my blog. Yeah, but but that's good though. It, it's really good, and actually, if if you have the appetite and the energy for it, it, it's such a wonderful tour because it's it's an approachable, authentic voice for you. And we 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 don't have a lot of we don't have um, enough of those. I think with leaders and heads in education is that you know you are just flesh and blood you are just humans too you're running these schools and you're, you're admired and respected but you're human too and you have these, these 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 opinions you have these thoughts these meandering ideas but it's your lens and actually that's what makes it so approachable and so nice to yeah. read is that you're going through the same problems as everyone else and you're dealing with it in different ways so um, I'm really grateful from an out as an outsider looking in that that you are active on it and um, do you believe that heads should be on social media? I th it's a good question, actually, because I know some feel quite uncomfortable about exposing themselves uh, in that way. And I do. I agree with you. I think um, I think a, a head should always bring something of themselves, an authentic, you know, genuine feeling of of, of self to uh, to their posts. 
Um, and that's why I think it's really important that I'm separate from the school. The school has a particular set of messages, but I have a different one and, uh, and I have a different take on things. And, and uh, so I think that is really important. I think if you don't feel comfortable and you don't feel you can be authentically yourself um, in that environment, then it would be wrong to to uh, to do it um, and to use social media. And, and I think, I mean, I, I only use Twitter. I do have an Instagram account, but I haven't actually got to grips with it yet that's something that i ought to be doing a bit more but i kind of feel that instagram's for the young ones but it's, it's, it's understanding the platforms it's not it's also understanding the audience yeah. so and i think yeah. this is strategic and schools always make the mistake and everyone jumps from one social bandwagon to the other and go well i get more likes on instagram i'm going well it's just vanity right now that's pure vanity all you're getting is the same people liking the same things and that's yeah. not engagement. Engagement is deeper than that. It needs to be aligned to goals and stakeholders and go, I yeah. want to deliver a message to this stakeholder group. Okay, how, how do we do it? Okay, well, let's run a TikTok campaign because that's actually where we're going to do it. Um, so there's a difference between having a content strategy and telling a story in the right platform and then using the social the channels. And this is education. We need to educate. And that's what we do. And we support schools to make sure that you understand why. So again, you're being effective and efficient because there's nothing worse than just publishing stuff because you're adding to the noise. Um, yeah. You can write all these things and it might feel good to write, but unless there's going to have some amplification or some, it's going to reach the right people, you kind of go, well, why are you writing it? Um, and that's always our challenge as, as we kind of work with schools. Um, something we've asked, been asked to create is a, a branding toolkit for heads for the digital era. Um, is this something you would find useful? Uh, what would it include? Um, well, it's, it's about how do you position yourself online? What channels to use? Okay. Messaging, tone, style, language, um, you know, because again, you know, your, your point about lots of heads are nervous about it, um, about putting themselves out there. And they, and they think they've either got to be all in or nothing. And actually part of creating and understanding where you sit as your own personal brand is important. It may be that it's just your lens and all you're doing is capturing what you see around the school. And that's, that's just a very entry level kind of look. This is me walking around. This is me seeing this, what I see at the school. You get to see what I see. And that's a really great piece. Then it might be um, really about, look, I've, I've got strong opinions right? um, about certain things. Okay, well, how do I go about it? What's my best yeah. platform for doing it? How often should I do it? Should it be? So we're, so it's kind of packaging it up in a way that we can just assist getting heads over that, that piece. It's a, it's a piece of professional development, really, um, that allows them to, um, to breathe in this digital space. And, and in which case, I think it would be very important. I, I think it's very easy to um, probably to, to brand yourself incorrectly as well. And so having some guidelines which show that you're, uh, you know, which help you to do things in the right way um, would be really, really helpful. Yeah, definitely. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram and via LinkedIn. Remember, keep inspiring schools. We need more future school thinking now.